and Eve Sarianos. Hello, I'm Emily Gilmarrett. Hi, I'm Adam Gifford. This is the School of School podcast. Hey teachers, tired of juggling multiple spreadsheets to complete your assessments? Insights can help. Insights is the new online tool from Maths No Problem. Insights gives you instant analysis and detailed achievement reports right after marking. Visit mathsnoproblem.com forward slash insights. Uh, welcome back to another podcast episode, and this one is a wee bit special because today we've got a really special guest with us, Dr. Rachel Ralph uh, from the Centre for Digital Media, and we're going to start things off talking about the role of digital media in education, which I'm fascinated about, and I think that uh, I think we're all really looking forward to hearing Rachel's view on this and and uh, everything that she's found out about it, and probably ask some questions that I hope. Um, start a conversation that keeps on going. So, uh, Rachel, welcome. Welcome. Do you just want us to start us off just by just telling us a little bit about the work that you do? Is that okay? Yeah, th- thanks so much for having me. Um, I'm excited to chat with everybody today. And yeah, so um, like you said, I'm Rachel Ralph. I have a PhD in curriculum and pedagogy. Um, so for fanciness, that's, you know, how we teach and learn and how we do it and what we do with it. And in particular, my focus was on um, digital media and technology studies. And uh, through that, you know, it's quite a big term (laughs) when you ask people like, what is technology? What is digital media? Um, I think uh, we've I've had long in-depth conversation on how a pencil is technology with people. <laughs> if you think about what it is, um, that's right up our alley. By the way, <laughs> that's the kind of stuff we love to talk about. Awesome, and so yeah, so I think uh, I I got into the space um, working through uh, my prior career where I was a middle school teacher for about ten years, and uh, I worked in a lot of different technology spaces. Um, I was the technology leader for our school, a digital ambassador for the district. I uh, trained students to become technology mentors and um, it was great. And then I'd have a teacher ask me, um, can you put this really cool edition math app onto the iPad so that the kids can play it after they finished their um, math homework? And it was super disappointing um, because I, I see technology as being so much more. We should, you know, open our creative minds and there should be creative spaces. Um, in my district, they bought, I'm trying to remember, I think it was over 10,000 devices, which is pretty big for a small district. Um, That's a lot of money. That's a lot of devices. Yeah, it's a lot. It's not, Hmm. and it's not cheap. And the investment was strong. So they had bought, you know, hired people to do this, put all this energy. And then I attend a workshop said, um, we have the devices. So now what? (laughs) Which is completely backwards. It shouldn't be the, the way you approach technology. And, uh, it led me to my PhD where I was like, you know what? I can do so much more in this space. Um, I know there's so much more than um, here's some laptops and <laughs> as I, all the right type, which is a typing program that I took when I was very young and woo, we're learning how to type. And I'd question teachers on that. I said, why are we, do we need to be, teach people how to type anymore? Because 
you know, so much stuff is touch screens. And there was a lot of interesting conversations. Um, and now I work at the Center for Digital Media and is an amazing space because it's, it is project-based learning first. It is students first. It is about people first and not digital media first. And I think that's the really interesting part. So that's, that's, so that's really, uh, you know, that's quite a, that's quite a, a like both a, a huge area, but also very specific, right? So what, what I'm interested in knowing is if we flip it around just for a second, uh, Adam, sorry, I'm going to put you on the spot here. So Adam, you used to be a head teacher, right? How did you preach? How did you approach the digital media in your school? Like what? So I found, I found it tough. I want to go back to just a step before. I think maybe when I was a deputy head, so on leadership, making some decisions, but not, you know, not, not, not. So I'm rewinding, say, 10, 11 years. And I remember there were schools that were, that were going big buying iPads or tablets. And I thought, I really want to know the research first because we're about to drop a lot of money and my school didn't have a lot of um, surplus cash. And I found it really tough. I found it 10 or 11 years ago. I didn't, I couldn't find very much research that supported the impact. But I think the difficulty was, is that I'm not convinced many people, A, knew sort of how to use it. So, so implementing it in the school, you've got a wide range of people who might, like the, the, the extent might be checking their emails through to people who are developing their own things. But then also there weren't like pilot studies done. There tended to be people who would drop a whole lot of money, put the devices in schools and then kind of hope and assume that something marvellous was going to come out the other end. So the biggest struggle I had was justifying the spend. And in the end, we didn't do it because I couldn't find enough, not initially anyway. And so I, I found that a real struggle. Now I'm hoping that Rachel will be able to tell me now, oh, the world's changed. Adam, there are pilot studies all over the place. And if you were back in that job, you would be all over it. We could tell you how to spend it, where to spend it and what to spend it on. That's what you're going to tell me, eh, Rachel? Right? I have all the solutions, all the technology solutions. <laughs> That's what we want to hear. <laughs> well, I, I think you're right in the sense that 10, 11 years ago, you know, when the iPads first even came out, yeah, of course there wasn't a lot. And a lot of the content, I mean, a lot of the content that was on there doesn't even exist. So if you have an old iPad and you try and update it, it will say, delete this app, delete this app. Um, because it just, people stop developing certain things. I think there's been, there's kind of like the two markets. I think you're right where you talk about the people who are checking it for emails um, or using it for like productivity purposes versus entertainment purposes. And I think it depends on what you're trying to achieve with it. I think a lot of earlier things that were on it were really rote memorization pieces. So I think people took what they did on paper and then just made an app. <laughs> and that's supposed to be the solution. And so, of course, early research and early things didn't indicate whether it was successful or not because it was also oh look at this cool trendy thing so is it just a trend is it gonna stay we don't know because technology changed so rapidly i would say from the beginnings of the first iphone which is also interesting because the center for digital media opened right as the first iphone came out and so technology rapidly changed after that so i think what they had planned really really changed a lot of things and then 
you know, iPods came, went, came back, kind of stayed, kind of didn't. And so I think when that was happening, people were like, well, this tablet, what is it going to do? And so I think uh, I understand the hesitation. I think I didn't even buy one for a very long time because I said, well, why do I need it? I have my phone or I have my laptop. Why I don't need it. Now I use it every single day. It's very interesting to see the shift. But I think uh, in education in particular, you, you have to make that decision because you know that the next five years, whatever that thing you buy is what students are going to have to use or longer because the you're not buying the latest whatever pro version that things are on for schools that doesn't get purchased it has to have longevity and so i think that's a lot of early stuff like well is it worth it what do you think emily is it worth it yeah so that i was just listening to what both rachel and adam were saying and um so having worked on like creating various bits of technology over you know over the years and and at different times I'm really fascinated by the fact of what you were saying that sometimes people just had the 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 equipment so they might have the smart boards for example but they were just utilizing them they might as well have had an old chalkboard frankly because it was just being used with the whiteboard pen to write on the board doing what they used to do rather than sometimes that's a training issue like not just about having the technology but it's about the training so people can utilize the equipment effectively and I often think that when new innovations are used in education there's a lot of money put into the infrastructure there might even be times when they actually do um, invest in um, in um, you know fascinating technologies and 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 um, some of the what would have been called like the software you know behind it but actually the training um it is an issue. And then the other thing that I was really fascinated by that I've seen time and again, I remember there was a lot of, um, in in the UK, there were certain areas about 15, no, 10 years ago, sort of 12 years, like looking at sort of emerging handheld technologies with a view on education. There were some really interesting little mini projects going on and lots of it looked at engagement. And so um, people were able to sort of prove if you like from an academic perspective um, that that more people were engaged and I remember thinking about projects of you know kids going home and um, um, this is going to sound stereotypical but there was one particular time I remember going to school and they got really excited because more dads were getting involved with their kids reading um, at home because they'd all been given these handheld smartphones to go home and um, you know to do their um you know, some of their, 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 um, reading tasks. Um, and, you know, it was, I think there was like an element of sharing this, this new, you know, the, 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 the physical, you know, sort of techie thing. Um, and that had kind of created something, but then I'd love to know what you think about this. I think one of the, th- I don't know if this has changed a lot cause I haven't looked at much research more recently, but engagement could be proved time and time again. And like future, like Nesta Future Lab did loads of um, research on oh yeah this many more people were engaged this many more students were engaged and the question that came back time and time again which was really hard because it's like how long is a piece of string um, but is but but our children actually learn like they're engaged but is their learning better having invested all this money and got all this stuff and that's that's like the multi-million dollar question um, and within that as I'm sure you're going to say engagement often means that you're you're gonna you're more likely to be potentially open to learning but I'd love to know from a an academic research perspective where things are on that side I think you're right and I think um with 
engagement, you know, I've looked at a lot of that as well, um, related to motivation. If I have this device, will they be more motivated? So then they'll be more engaged. So then they'll learn. That's the ideal. I mean, I think that's every teacher aims for, for every uh, piece of curriculum you create. Um, And you're right. I think the biggest challenge, I think for me is how do we measure learning? Um, I think that a lot of research They have, you know, pre and post knowledge tests, you know, how many research papers I've read and that's, oh, endless, endless. I think every single one focuses on that. And then I said, wait, (laughs) like, then it goes back to the initial problem, like, you know, the rote memorization. And then are they really learning or are they just memorizing? And so I think for me, I, I always try to look at as engagement as something positive um, you know, I probably had a louder class than most of my colleagues, and they probably didn't like that very much. <laughs> That's okay. Um, I, you know, I come from running day camps. So you know, I, I'm used to loud. But for me, when they're loud and excited, and then I walk by and they're talking about the table they're measuring for their math, I'm like, Oh, my gosh, like, they're excited about what they're doing. So I'm gonna take it. Um, but I think, you know, K to 12 systems and, you know, pre-university systems, and even in university, they're very still focused on um, that test, that memorization at the end. And it's, it's really hard to break away from. Um, It's much more challenging to assess. And I think uh, for research purposes, but even teaching purposes, to give that evaluation. And so it, it will always default back to the knowledge test and to see if they learned it. And so did they truly learn something if they memorized it? That I think is one of the big questions as well. And now a quick word from our sponsor. Are you an early years teacher struggling with lack of support for lesson planning? Foundations can help. Foundations is the new reception program from Maths No Problem. It's a complete reception package with workbook journals, picture books, and online teacher guides all in one place. Visit mathsnoproblem.com today to learn more. Yeah, I think assessment's an interesting one, you know, because I think people, and including a lot of teachers, uh, could do with a lot more uh, support and information on how to carry out good assessment because it's it's you know it's a it's not it's both an art form and a science right and you really need to know what you're doing in order to assess properly and I don't think I don't think we equip teachers anywhere near enough I don't think there's enough professional development around like continuous you know like after after they've done their degree there's not enough support and not enough uh, training available, good high quality training on assessment. But it's so critical, right? It's so critical. You know, writing good good test questions is a, is a real art form. So when you look at technology in education, uh, digital technology in particular, not pencils, um, the, the thing that's kind of interesting to me is, well, there's a couple of things, but one, one interesting thing is you can largely split into two categories, right? There's, there's teacher tools, right? So what do teachers use? I mean, I think you'd be hard pressed to find a teacher that doesn't use a computer nowadays, right? I think that's pretty much standard. Not, maybe not throughout the world, but certainly in the Western world, almost every teacher has a computer and uses a computer as one of their tools. 
uh, some form of interactive whiteboard, smart board, whatever you want to call it. That's almost in most Western, you know, school schools, you'll find one in, in the classrooms. Um, and I think that's pretty well understood. Like we have a good idea about how that supports and helps teachers. Sometimes it doesn't help and support time, support them. Sometimes it does hinder them, but without going down that rabbit hole. But what it seems to me, and I don't really know, is we haven't really cracked the the learning tools, like the tools that the, the learners interact with. It's almost like we don't really know what to do. <clears throat> it, you know, so uh, it's like what Adam was saying about, well, should we buy a whole bunch of iPads? Should we blow our budget and buy a whole bunch of iPads for everyone? And if we do, what are we going to do with them? And how is that going to help the children learn what they're supposed to learn? And I don't, I, I'm not convinced that we have the answers for that yet. One of my favorite, Andy, one of my favorite things that I've seen recently was actually at a university. So um, uh, it was looking, um, it was with students and the person taking the class was, was at Canterbury Christchurch University. So that's not far from where I live in Kent. And they were looking at careers and I said I would go in and talk to the students. And I was really fascinated by the way that they were using some of the um, what I would describe as sort of voting tools, you know, the teaching tools behind the scene. And the thing that I really noticed was um, how learners can give give answers and, and, and state questions this would work more for older students and pupils, to be fair, that, that are able, that are literate and can write and, and so on. But actually, the quieter students that perhaps were less confident to speak publicly would interact more. Um, I guess it's a bit like Rachel's nodding, but I guess it's a little bit like we've learned with the pandemic. It's amazing how many kids were engaging in ways that perhaps they weren't in the classroom before. There have been benefits to, to that where it has worked well because they're able to use the chat where perhaps before they didn't feel that they were going to publicly put up their hand in front of the other kids. And I really was fascinated in this um, lecture hall where there's like a lot of students in there. And the way that some of them were happy to... There were anonymous buttons as well. And all the way through... The um, uh, the lecturer was able to do a vote to check understanding and make sure that everyone had understood what they needed. So just at the touch of a button, able to like really change the learning and just say, is everyone clear about where they need to go about to get that information? And if she's got like 98 percent, she's like clearly, um, you know, that's great. And, you know, or, or does anybody not does anybody need more support by on the from the university on X, Y, Z before you leave? And it's like you know, 90% of kids like, I want to do more on CVs or something. You know what I mean? Like, it was just great because it was, she, that was incredibly um, reactive, responsive, but in a meaningful way. And I just wondered, Rachel, whether those sorts, that sort of way of learning is, is, is that becoming m- more commonplace um, in, in, in education in your experience? I, I would like to say positive. I hope so. I said, sounds like this teacher is awesome. And I think you know, I, I am doing stuff like that all the time. You know, I, I send out something called um, the Goldilocks survey, where am I doing too much, just enough or not enough um, for various things, you know, especially for my students um, in particular, the types of feedback I'm giving. And so I, I do that all the time. But I think, unfortunately, I'm seeing places use these kinds of things. And I know there's a university um, here who's using... Um, you know, the clickers in the classroom, but it's, it's as quizzes. (laughs) It's not just, and so I think, I think the important piece is, 
Yeah, we want to not just give it to give them a mark. And I think, you know, students get a percentage of their grade for buying the clicker and then filling out the clicker surveys. And so that's part of their grade. And then there's also a quiz attached to it, as opposed to, let's see if I'm teaching well, what do I need to go back to, as opposed to just piling through the curriculum um, and giving just a grade. So I think, you know, you are seeing more teachers thinking about these things, trying to find the space to do it, and then unfortunately some that are just using it um, as another way of doing some easy grading. I got a question for you guys now. So we're gonna wrap it up, right? So you're the minister of education. It's your decision now, right? Somebody gives you, whoever, I don't know who gives money out, the, the chancellor of the exchequer or the prime minister, whoever says, here's a billion you need to spend on technology and education, what do you do? There's a few things that I'd do. The, 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 I'd put a disproportionate amount into what I'm gonna call training, right? But training encompasses a whole load of things. The first one is a whole host of pilot programs that are safe. Because I tell you what, I'm a wee bit sick of hearing in education. It was like you talked right at the very beginning, Rachel, saying that about teacher assessment. And we've had that just recently, right? My, my son's just got his GCSE results. And so we're all praising teacher assessment. The day after the results were inflated GCSE grades, you know, da 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 da, da let's get back to exams. And it's kind of like, oh, on one hand, you have this and the other. So as part of that money, I don't know how I'm going to do it. I'm going to create a force field over these pilot groups. So they're not scared of taking risks. And they're not scared of it becoming, you know, like something awful. And I think that that, in a longitudinal study, like something that's going to take time and put money in there to allow people the freedom and getting the, the, the children's voice in there to be safe. Because I think the hardware, unfortunately, that used to be the disproportionate amount. But we had a lot of really expensive stuff just sitting there, eh? It's like buying, I don't know, 10 racing cars, but only ever using one just to go down to the shops to get milk. And so I think that, that what we should really have, yes, yeah, so a disproportionate amount on training and research and safe places to just experiment and see what's going on and then just finance the types of things that can keep going hardware just to keep that going. But I think also that the last thing with that is time. I have seen too many initiatives and, and money go into things and they're saying, right, we want to see what happens in six months. Really? You know, how, how are we going to find things out? There might be some things that we find out in six months, but something that gives time. So that's what I'd do. I, I think very similar to Adam, I think investing in some training. And what's interesting as I've shifted my role in what I'm working in digital media, I think um, I've learned a lot more about agile um, methodologies. And I think it's really interesting that it can really apply to education um, teachers could use it in their practice, um, even just teaching kids, you know, fail fast, fail often, iterate a lot, let's try a lot of different things. And I think if teachers invest, like had that way of thinking, um, then they wouldn't be worried about it always being perfect and like the best lesson and the best this. Um, so yeah, definitely invest in a lot more training. Um, but I think like Adam said, over a longer period of time. So I think what happens is um, they'll go to the professional development, they'll learn these things, and then they'll go to use it in their classroom, and then something goes wrong. And there's nobody to talk to to come and support. Um, we don't have 
you know, the IT people in the school. I was the IT person for my school, basically, because I like technology. And I'd have teachers phoning me up in the middle of my lesson. Like, I, I'm still teaching. I have a full class in front of me in the middle of my lesson because their technology isn't working. And there's no person to go and help them. And I think what happens is then you you just stop, right? At some point, you're like, well, I'm not going to do this anymore because it's now interrupted this many times. I'm going to give up. And usually it's after the first time. And so longer um, periods of time. And then my leftover money... Um, I'm going to go find and just say uh, VR headsets, wherever they're at for everyone. <laughs> um, I would also, I think with the training that has got to happen, I didn't think that the infrastructure, as you were saying, support, but also I'm going to be really honest and say sometimes part of the training is turning off the technology as well as knowing when to have it on. So there you go. Well, there you have it, everyone. Thanks for joining. Thank you for joining us on the 